0: So, well, um, can, can I start? Just a yeah, little go, little ahead. Little no, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, um, it's, it's a very special moment for me to be here right now. Uh, I've been working in publishing and with writing for many more than 20 years, but uh, I started actually writing seven years ago when I couldn't ever imagine that I could, you know. Uh, have my book translated to English because I write in Portuguese, and uh, I thought that maybe someday. But I was thinking that I would have a career that would be like, well, I'm going to make a book and then another book because that's how usually things work. Like you start like slow and then you do like a a big book. But I was actually very lucky with my first book because uh, it was uh, translated to 12 languages. It's going to be. Uh, a movie and uh, and uh, having the book in English—it's so special for me because I've been living in the United States for ten years now. So this is my country too. So so now I I, I, I could never imagine that I could be here. So um, I'm going to. So let's do something. I'm going to read a small uh, 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 part of the book. And then my wonderful friend, Corinne, I, we are going to do like a QA and a uh, And then if you guys I want to ask something, I'm open also. Okay, sure. So the book, um, um, it's called The Invisible Life of Eredici Guzmão. And it's about two sisters in in Brazil, in Rio, that's my city, Rio de Janeiro, in the 1940s and in the 1950s. So, the basic story of the book is about how these two sisters they have dreams and they want to fulfill their lives but they they it can't happen because they live in a time and in in a uh, in a place that uh, it's very hard for women to 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 become someone to do something different than being housewives and you know moms and uh Also, uh, you have this, the main story, and and I also have a lot of side characters, and uh, I tell a lot about what's going on in Rio in that time. So I'm going to read about one of the subplots and one of the side characters that I have uh, in the book. It's about uh, a, a journalist that started his career in the, 1910s and 1920s in Rio, and I'm going to tell a little bit, and when I tell this story, I also tell a little bit what's going on in the city at that time. So, Alvaro discovered his calling as a reporter at 15. At that time, he was already a graduate of the streets of Rio. At eight years of age, he arrived from Italy with his parents. At nine, he became an orphan how he learned Portuguese, how he learned to read and write, how he didn't die of starvation the plague or being stabbed is a mystery that can only be explained by serendipity. He sold candy on the ferry and lottery tickets at the trolley. He shined shoes, washed windows, and delivered papers. He eked out his survival from small jobs and the favors he performed for a respectful type in a suit who took him to a hotel room once a week and asked him to walk nude across his back while singing O So Le Mio. Mm-hmm. Before reached the age of 13, he had been arrested nine times. He knew how to yell, yell out a razor blade and was feared for his capoeira skills. Feeling that it was time to settle down, he traced out a career plan which consisted of trying for a promotion. From a delivery boy, Alvaro became an office boy in the newsroom. An unthinkable leap forward. It was the first time he had worked with a roof over his head. The promotion came not a minute too early. For some months now, Alvaro's service as a nude singer had no longer been required due to his being too heavy to walk on the back of the man in the suit and such privileges he now enjoyed. He had his very own desk, and when he had no jobs to do, he could spend an entire afternoon sitting down in the company of a book. This good life came to an end in the winter of 1918, when the city recorded its first case of Spanish flu. At the beginning, it was one here, one there. A week later, it was many here and even more there. By October, half of the city's population had fallen ill. One Wednesday morning, only Alvaro, the newspaper editor, Camerino, and the typographer showed up to the newsroom. Camerino looked over at the boy behind the desk, asked if he could write, and sent him to the street with a pencil and a notepad. Alvaro spent three hours walking in the streets of Rio. He saw men in agony as they vomited blood, as the vomited blood, and children talking to mothers who had already died, sick people in a delirium expelled from their homes, long-bured prophets proclaiming the end of the world. He heard the screams that preceded death come from behind closed shutters and counted hundreds of bodies in the street. In vain. as soon as he had finished counting, someone else would turn up dead. For the wagons sent by the city government showered up to tow away the bodies. With the wagons scarcely gone, fresh bodies could soon be found on the doorsteps. In the weeks that followed, this would be his routine. Arrive in the newsroom, grab a pencil and a notepad, go out to document the unfolding tragedy, and come back with more than enough stories to fill the day's paper. He seemed immune to the illness and the horrible scenes before him. Why his body resisted is anyone's guess. His spirit resisted because he had watched his entire family family perish, victims of the yellow fever. When the reporters who survived the flu came back to the newsroom, they found Álvaro in front of a typewriter. With the exception of weekends and Christmas Day, the club reporter could be found in the same place every day and for hours on end. A routine he would maintain until the day until the day he died. That's it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, now Corinne, we are doing a QA and a with Corinne. Great uh, uh, reporter, amazing writer. Yeah. Huh? Very nice. Yeah, she is. Yeah, I, I admire,
1: admire her. her.
0: Well. Yeah. Also an author. Um, it, it, that's yeah. for
1: another night. This, this is to talk about. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it's I'm just introducing you. Thank you. Um, I started reading um, Marta's novel uh, quite some time ago when uh, I think it had already been published in Brazil and was about to be, um, and her agent was in the process of selling it to the many countries where it's been published since, and Marta sent me the first chapter, which at that time was the only part that had been translated into English, and I started reading and just kept flipping the pages faster and faster and faster, and then I got to the end, and was like, oh no, there's no more yet, Mm -hmm. Um, and so 22 months later, um, I Mm -hmm. got the book in my hand, and I'm very excited for you guys that there will not be as long a gap uh, in between Reading the beginning of this beautiful novel and getting to, to go all the way to the end. Um, so yeah, we have a couple things that we wanted to um, to talk about. You had mentioned, as you had said earlier, you have lived in the U.S. now for a decade. Um, you've lived your daily life in English for a very long time. Why did you end up choosing to to write your fiction in Portuguese? Um, it was
0: it was re- I had uh, to. It, I think. Uh, it was for two reasons. One is more personal, and the other, I think, it's more ideological. First, because I think when any immigrant, uh, it has at some point, it had to make the choice of it's going to be a new person in a new country, right? And uh, and all the immigrants has this issue with identity and. Uh, some, some immigrants, they just decided that uh, here is the place, they forget about the language and about the culture. Others, you know, they still have the link. And for me, I, I, I always, I loved my country and I didn't want to disappear in my own, you know, I, I wanted to, to, be, to also have the connection with my country. So writing in Portuguese, is a way, you know, of uh, not disappearing in, in my culture. So that's, that's the personal reason. And the, the second reason that's more ideological is that I think that uh, the United States is such a it's, it's an amazing country and has so many great writers, and here I would be just another one, another another writer. And in Brazil, because you have uh, a very strong TV, all the the good writers are working for TV and doing scripts and doing soap operas, and you have a very few writers, and also. <laughs> Facebook is very strong in Brazil, so you don't have a lot of people writing and very few people reading. So I think that Brazil needs more writers and more literature in Portuguese than than the United States. And I also think that the United States is very good. Uh, I wanted to be a Brazilian writer. uh, Something interesting about the United States is that he's able to absorb so many interesting people from uh, other countries that it kind of make his own international literature if you think about all the good books from immigrants that you have in the market right now and uh, i and I, I think that's very good if you you don't have americans they don't have to to read a lot of translations to you know understand about africa understand about asia because you have people here who are immigrants are are sons of immigrants who do us that, who tells these stories. And like, I just wanted to tell the stories in, in my own language. That's Portuguese. Very
1: cool. Um, you were also a journalist um, yeah. when you lived in, in Rio. And you started your own publishing house as well, which published some really groundbreaking works there. Um, can you talk a little bit about how those experiences influenced the book you've written yeah. Yes. Uh,
0: So, I always wanted to become a writer, but I always have the fear that I was not going to make enough money. The fear is still there, actually. (laughs) Still. But, uh, so I always try to know, I find, I I, I told myself that if I was going to become a reporter, if I was going to work, I I was like going in the tangents, you know, I I was working with something that I would be writing, not exactly what I wanted to write, but I was making money, and someday... At some moments, I was going to become a real writer. So, and actually, it was all the experiences I have in, uh, before it. Uh, they helped me a lot. I mean, uh, it's it, when you were a reporter. Uh, when I was a reporter in Rio, I I, I, I met so many people. I, I learned so much about life. I could interview drug dealers and socialites and politicians. I would go to slums and I would go to you know. Uh, fancy places, and I think that that gave me a very. I understood a lot about life and human being with this experience. And uh, other thing is that you learn, you, uh, for you to write as a reporter, you have many many techniques, and you need to write, and you need to, you need to be very clear in the message that you are sending, right? And that helped me a lot, too. And publishing also uh, after that, I was I became a publisher and. Uh, and I edited uh, many, many uh, authors. And uh, then I, I learned uh, how also how to edit myself, what I think it's a great tool to have. Like uh, Sometimes, I mean, you write something and you, you can't see the bad things you did there, but it was, when you are editor, it kind of gets a little bit easier. So, yeah. And also, I, I think that uh, I had the whole understand of... Uh, what happened in a book? Because a book is never just the writer. It's the writer. It's the editor. You know, it's the translator. It's the is the library. It's the bookstore. So it's a big. It's the publisher. So I, I I understand better the process And I think that's also something that helped me in my career. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: interesting when as you were talking about your experience as a reporter, thinking about this, like the novel, it has. It has the lyricism of a of it's written of a novelist, but it has that reporter's eye for detail of just sort of the small things that you notice in, um, you know in a setting and that ability to sort of sketch a character and create this whole world for them in very in very few words. Which of the characters in this book did you become most attached to while you were writing it?
0: Oh um. I like so there are two main char- characters that are Gida and so I like them a lot, but the book it's it's it has a lot of humor, a lot of irony, and uh, I uh, there's a lot of uh, mean women in the book that I, I loved all those mean and bitter women in the book. And there are a um, lot of mean and bitter women. And are, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, yeah, they're
1: delicious to read. Yeah, because I also
0: I feel so sorry for them because uh, if you think about how the the few opportunities that women had in the past and that they still have, it's like, uh, of course, they are going to become bitter and you know, like, uh, frustrated with life. So, it was very, I, I like the main characters a lot, it's make, and I like to make fun of some things, you know, too. So, yeah, so I have this idea that she's a neighbor and she gossips a lot. And I have Eulalia that is uh, a woman that was rich, and then she became poor, and uh, you know, I'm not going to tell the whole story, but I like it too. These, these characters, the, the mean ones, I think they're most fun to work with. <laughs>
1: they're a lot of fun to read too. Um, you were writing and publishing this book during a time of enormous political upheaval in Brazil, um, which you've been watching from afar for the most part. How, how has the experience of writing this book, of publishing there, and as well as everywhere else. Um, how has it informed your sense of identity as a Brazilian woman and as a Brazilian abroad?
0: Well, that's that's interesting, because when I was writing, yes, Brazil was in an upheaval moment. And I thought it was going to be just that year, but it's still happening, so it's <laughs> like it never ends, right? So I think that, uh, for, for any artist right now uh, for one side I mean I have to be connected with the news and they have I like, have all the bad news in Brazil Brazil is going through a, a whole process of trying to understand what's going on is the, the political crisis economical crisis is all very bad but uh, and here also it's very hard to listen to the news. So I think that uh, the the challenge is to read it, uh, to learn about, but also to protect myself because from one side, I think that, uh, of course, that all the things that are happening is going to to influence my writing, but at the same time, it's so much, and it happened many, many times, that uh, I kind of feel that I feel paralyzed by the news. It's like a... I get frustrated and I get kind of depressed so I think that anyone who is producing right now needs to find this balance and uh, to absorb what's going on because of course it's going to be part of the writing somehow or the writing or the music or whatever you're creating but at the same time you gotta, you need to absorb to, to produce something but at the same time it's like okay now I need to know like, uh, love myself and have peace because one of the things that the evil does is like it paralyzes us, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. You to be able to know
1: when to draw that. that yes, thing. exactly. Yeah. yeah. All of us,
0: I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All of <laughs> right? yeah. us.
1: Yeah. Um, what stories do you want to tell next?
0: So, yeah, I just finished a book about uh, it's it's it, The name is The Castles of Ipanema, and it's about a family and how. How uh, how how life changes in Rio in a hundred years, and uh, and I I wrote uh, a big part of the story. It was it happened during the military coup in Brazil in the 60s because I think that's a wound for us, and uh, I think any Brazilian writer uh, had somehow to address that at some point. And uh, I just finished this book, and of course, because of all the things that are happening in Brazil and in the world, my next book is going to be more political, and I'm going to I'm going to talk about corruption, but of course, in a very humorous way, you know. So, yeah, I'm going to create this, you know, this small uh, place in, in Brazil that everything can happen, and because of these crazy politicians that you have, so I'm I'm looking forward to through that book too. It's going to be more political and I think it's going to be a very funny book as well.
1: Is that also coming out in Brazil first or will will that be? The
0: castles of Ipanema, uh, it will be in Brazil in uh, March. And France, I don't know when, but uh, yeah, it was sold already to, to France and Brazil. And uh, the other countries I need to translate it before, and i you mean, still working on that to, for the other uh, countries to to be able to read and buy parts of the book. but the, the French editor they uh, she, she's able to write in Portuguese, so she, uh, she, to read in Portuguese, so she read it uh, yeah so that's part of the plans. For
1: Either one to open it up to the floor. Does anybody here have any questions for Marta about this book, about her process? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, hi. I'm curious how how do you how do you start? Like, did you start with the idea of this character, and then decide where
0: and when to put her? Or yeah. Well, how do it start? So. There are so many starts so let's say um, I started writing four books that are awful <laughs> thank God they were not published <laughs> and um, and then one day this character I came and it was a woman who was not able to fulfill her dreams and she was extremely intelligent and she was trying and and um, and she was trying to 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 just to become someone besides a housewife, and she was not able to. And uh, when you talk about start, it's interesting because it's just not the character. Because when the first paragraphs I write, I wrote about this book. It was something that uh, uh, I knew that was new. It was my voice that was there. Because before writing this book. There was a time that I was in love with David Sedaris and I want to become David Sedaris. There was a time that I was in love with Junot Diaz, so I was trying to to, to be Junodias, and uh, and uh, and it was great. I had to do that. I had to you know. Uh, I had to to try to, to be this this this. I, you had to take out all the bad writing you have inside yourself, so that you can try to do the good writing. So I think that. Uh, it came together. The idea of the book, the, this character, and in the beginning was just Euridice, she didn't have a, a, a sister. And uh, this this way of writing, that because I, I was writing so, so many, I wrote so many things before, when I wrote this, it was very hard to write those first paragraphs with this style. But uh, I, mean, I, I remember that I spent, I don't know, I, I would go to paragraph. there is a writer' space that uh, I was living in New York and I would became I spent four hours in just those two paragraphs, but i I knew that was something that I, that was just just I could do in that paragraph and then it came together, the story of Heredity and my my voice there and then became a little bit easier after that. Yeah' Are those first paragraph Look. You know, you rewrite so much uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, somehow they are But they are so m- you, Writing is editing So yeah, they are But uh, you edit and you write again and again, again But uh, yeah, after this book I knew that was the best And then I was trying for such a long time To become a writer that I said You know what, that's the best I can do Let's just, you know And then it worked But, uh, but I knew that I couldn't do it At that moment anything that
1: would
0: be better than that. I'm interested in the process of translation. Um, you're fluent in at least two languages. Uh, to what degree were you involved in the translation? And were there any problems
1: involved in that, or it, anything startling? Uh, if you'd written the book in English, would it come out the way it is?
0: no i think it's 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 very hard I, I i think that i like to think about translation is that it's never the same it's like a, it's, it's translation is like you have a glass between you and uh, the, the 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 reader right i think that and the glass can be thick it can be thin can be can be clean can be dirty but the glass it's kind of there that's how i i understand translation it's very hard actually uh i was in, i was very much involved in the translation for english and i also happened to have an extremely good translator, so we kind of worked together but uh, i i i reread each paragraph and uh, you know to to make sure that my voice uh, was there and uh, but I was, not also, I was not able to do that in other languages, so I, I, I know that there is a lot of myself in the book in English because the translation translator was amazing and I worked with him. But at the same time, if you're translating to English, if you're translating to Germany or if you're translating to uh, languages that have a different root than Portuguese, it's way harder way harder. If you translate, I, I read. So I read the translation to uh, English and the translation to Spanish. Spanish was very so Spanish, French, Ita- Italian, and um, yes, these three. It was easy. I could recognize myself in the Spanish tr- translation. English, it was a little bit more difficult. I mean, the, translation, the translator, I think, it had, had to work more because uh, since you have a different way of making sentences and making, uh, uh, you know, it's harder to translate, I think. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a long, joint work. I, I, I worked with it at every paragraph with him.
1: Did you think there were any passages that worked better in English than they did in Portuguese, or was it the opposite?
0: Uh, the whole book works in, in English actually because we work it and also we it was a it was we worked it a lot I think that but I do think that a lot of books that does not work in English from you know other writers it's because of probably it's because of translation I mean it's and uh, vice versa I mean I, I I only fell in love with uh, English literature uh, literature written in English when I moved to the United States. Sometimes I would uh, get a book in Portuguese and say, really? Philip Roth? This guy is that good? Is that? <laughs> you know, like, I don't feel like, it's like I, I couldn't feel sometimes I couldn't feel the writer and, uh, and uh, because translation is really, it's really hard to do and uh, but uh, yeah, it was uh, depends on the book the translation, translator and many things Will you get to work with the same translator for your next novel as well? I don't know yet. Yeah, I don't know yet. But hopefully, he's really good. I, can Eric, I wish he could be here with me tonight. He's really good. Yeah. Um, I'm lucky
1: because I can ask you afterwards, like all <laughs> things too. but I find it
0: fascinating that because we're the same age, and then you still go back to like 100 years back in your writing, in the next book, and here their characters are obviously like, way older than we are. And where did you get that sensibility? Like, are you a history buff? Or is it that you feel like that age was more
1: romantic? Like, What makes you want to go back?
0: Well, that's yeah, it's a good question. Because uh, I'm, uh, I think that uh, in Brazil you have a huge problem with memory. We forget a lot of things and uh, I'm, I'm very concerned about that so I like to go back and sometimes I have the feeling that I'm the only one who's not the only one, but I, very, much, much more people should have been doing that in Brazil, I mean we forget a lot about our past so actually many many stories of the book actually happened that that thing that i read about the spanish flu happened and many characters are based in and and you know video uh life characters and I also have this thing i love the past i love to read about uh you know things that happen and uh, people forget about them right so yeah i'm very concerned about memory when i go back to brazil i go Usually, I do. I, I think that I'm the only one with that. I go to you know libraries and I, 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 I start reading magazines from the 50s and the 40s, and there's so many good stories there. So I like this, I like I like to be able to retell these stories. There's something about journalism in that too, right? About yeah. telling stories. Because it's one thing, like if you read, because that paragraph describing mean, the journalist going on, you know, in the street, that is very very much Dickens like, but Dickens was there. So I found it very like amazing. That you describe everything in detail. Because you never lived that
1: time. Like as much research as you did, I found that you actually put your soul in as if you were there, like a time traveler. Yeah. So that's like, you said you were not a writer, you are. Writers are born, my dear. <laughs>
0: yeah. Maybe, yeah, it's a <laughs> lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> you it are, is, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you you for coming. It's a very special moment for me to do my book launch in the place I live and love. Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget you can listen to this and all our other great podcasts
1: at skylightbooks.com Thanks again for stopping by.